hey, we're the film don't lie guys, but we're not doing film now. Pod don't lie. Just talking about <laughs> I, like, I like that. I liked how it worked. I mean, we'll see. We could change it in the fly. We'll see. Yeah, we could change branding later, but that's what we're going to go with. He's Brent Rollins. I'm Dane Young, UGASports.com. We're going to chat about some senior bowl takeaways, what the Georgia Bulldogs did in Mobile, what it means for the NFL draft. I was just listening to Raheem Morris be introduced as the Atlanta Falcons head coach. So maybe there's some chatter that leads into that, some quarterbacks. Um, and then, yeah, we'll talk Georgia Bulldogs in terms of what are the storylines for this team heading into spring? Things that they'll answer heading into fall after that. Brent, I do want to start with uh, Senior Day. Uh, well, first, what do you want from this show? Because we're going to be doing something weekly on here. Just you and I hanging out. We text a lot about this stuff. We always are, are diving straight into video when we do film, don't lie. So what do you want this to be? It's just hanging out, talking ball, whatever news is com- coming up. I mean, we got Senior Bowl takeaways. I mean, there is kind of a big game on Sunday that maybe we could chat about a little bit. The draft conversation to me is always, it's always one of the funnest conversations because of the ebbs and flows of it and how, you know, when you get into mock drafts and how they are now, like for example, uh, Matt Miller, I think is it that does ESPN came out with one today and he hit like a big nerve with me. One of the commentary points on him. We'll get to that later. But it's just like how the ebbs and flows of this go, especially the quarterback talk, because you have five, maybe six, at least five, uh, and possibly six that could potentially go in the first round. I don't think it's going to happen. But and you got QBs heavy at the top. So there's always kind of that draft discussion. But in general, just hanging out, talking ball. Might as well, might as well do that in the offseason. And a lot of the mocks I'm seeing, you're just seeing the economy of the wide receiver position skyrocket where everyone needs three or four receivers. And you see it in college, too, where it doesn't matter how many receivers that Georgia has. It could use a couple more really good ones on the roster. And that segues into Lad McConkey and what he did to impress scouts, coaches, others in Mobile. And I'll tell you, one of the interesting things about covering a guy like Lad McConkey at Georgia for the three years he's been here is – We've seen this. I think you and I late in that first year said, hey, this guy's kind of a superstar. And it just went up and up and up from there. He had injury concerns and some things he had to battle through. Sure. But to see the rest of the country and the NFL begin to see what we have seen for so long, it's a really interesting perspective because I think a lot of people nationally don't know who this guy is. And then they may wake up in a year and say, oh, it's the next Puka Nakua. That's who it is. And I think what you saw, or if you see someone who said, you know, that what's the meme or the the thing, I wasn't the Shaq thing, maybe I wasn't familiar with your game, yeah. that thing that you see on social media a lot. Yeah. If you see those people, that means they didn't watch Georgia football, but, and they didn't specifically watch Georgia football over the past two years. They only caught glimpses because what we saw at the senior bowl, which to me, the senior bowl, like, it's more as much of a confirmation bowl as anything. It's like, hey, I think this guy's a first round talent. Now let me see him against equal caliber players, like the Mitchell kid from what was it, Toledo, the corner. Or, you know, I think this guy can do these things. Let me see it in person. All that kind of stuff. But who was Lad prior to the senior bowl? He was Mr. Separator as a wide receiver. Route running, just elite route running skills. And then they put him in the one-on-ones. Where he has, you know, kind of go either way and has some freedom to go. 
DBs are going to get lost. They're just always going to get lost. He's that good at it and has consistently done it uh, on film over, over the few years. Now, what's interesting about, like you talked about with the mocks and the, the economy of, of the wide receiver position, I also think this draft being a, Offensive line, a very good offensive line draft might push some of the receivers down just a little bit. And I think you could see Ladd where, you know, there might be talk that he's at the end of round one, top of round two. Like I think I've seen a lot of people talk about Carolina at the top of round two getting him. But, you know, I I could see him available in the 40s. For example, at pick 43 when a certain local team has a selection. So, but anyway, I, it's, it was very much confirmation. They don't take Georgia players, Brent. You know <laughs> no. that. Yes, that, that's so very true, right? I think so this year they should take two, but that's just me. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Well, um, I'll tell you the other interesting thing. I'm jumping the gun here a little bit. I was, and you tagged me on this, but I had already been forewarned that Jameis Winston had an interview with Pardon My Take that was publishing today. And I had a thick kid at home, and like that's never fun to deal with. But the time that I had to really sink into a Jameis Winston interview, he did say that if there's a city he'd like to play for, Atlanta's right there near the top. Really? So that could be, I mean, Jameis in Atlanta, I mean, someone, better than upgrade from Ritter. Yes. As someone who has kind of adopted the Saints, is just like, I don't really have a favorite team, but I love the city of New Orleans and its food. If Jameis goes to Atlanta, I'm back on board, baby. I'll go buy some gear. Like I'd it was be, a great I'd interview. He seems like he seems he does seem. I did. I saw bits and pieces of it. Like he seems like somebody that would just, you know, the whole thing about the eat the W's and the hey, the first four letters of my name spells wins. Yep. Like that was just. He's probably got hundreds of those type of stories and just little anecdotes that where he'll be a pod true podcast type star, uh, at least. For a social media world, but yeah, he's so uh, unique other and so different, yes. and that's what I'm drawn to in all of yes. this. Is be unique and different, have a fun personality. I agree. And, and sp- speaking of unique and different, like I think that's like Tyke and Javon Bullard at the Senior Bowl because of the they're not the prototypical size type guys, uh, you know. But what did what did we think see about Tyke all, all the time? What we talk about him with on film don't lie, ball always around the ball, makes plays on the ball. He had three pass breakups and was the, you know, where the award he got there at the the beginning of the game. So, you know. Major West Virginia heart proud, didn't it? I mean, he, what an interesting career. When you think about his career being so good at West Virginia early, I think a lot of that was potentially the the competition, Uh, but he was still really good. And then transfers Georgia, gets hurt, stays, plays very little. I mean, he didn't really play a lot in 2022. And then, Played a lot this year and was a you know one of the best five players in the defense and one of the key pieces of the defense for Georgia. So goes out. Uh, many would might say the, the give the G, DGD status. I mean, when we were key. in fall camp mode here on UGASports.com, I didn't think Tyke was going to keep his job. I'd heard so many good things about Janelle Aguero, who I think we'll see those things this year. But Tyke became indispensable. He became mm-hmm. very clutch, and he, he became a ball hawk to some extent in yep. getting interceptions. And like you say, he was so good around the line of scrimmage, and, and we pointed that out. I thought that Tyke really elevated his game in his final year at Georgia. That showed in Mobile. And Javon Bullard has been that consistent most yes. of his career to me. Slightly undersized for NFL once. He'll be fine. 
they need athletes that can run. And, he can and, that, that. and what you're going to see with Bullard, I, I think Tyke from a draft uh, status, it like you're not going to get past the size. He is a slot corner. Um, but in the fourth or fifth round, in the fifth round, fourth in the for early in the fourth round, maybe even the very back end of the third round, that could be a great pick for somebody. But Bullard, the versatility and just the physical nature, like how physical he was uh, as a player at Georgia. I mean, you look at, I think I saw a clip of him in the run game, just dusting off a, a blocker and making a play. Super consistent, both in the slot, played safety, you know, star one year, safety the next year. That versatility at the, in the league is because you're and you're going to see those versatile type players and how defenses use those type of players very much so in the Super Bowl. And and how much they're necessary, especially on crucial third downs when literally every almost everyone plays man, some form of man. So he's got I think he's gonna the size might push him down into the you know 50s or something like that, but I think he's a top 60 player, top 60 pick in the draft. You know, my game, this guy feels like I have two teams that I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between for Javon Bullard. One of them, Arizona Cardinals. Kind of feels like he could be a cardinal. The well, by other, the way, their secondary is terrible, so their secondary has massive needs. So they yes. need help. The other, and I don't know that the the need is quite there, probably a little bit. But he just, if Mike Tomlin gets in a room with Javon Bullard yeah. and sees how smart of a football player that he is, and sees the passion that he brings to his craft, I gotta think that he'll just fall in love with him. Now, yeah. You see all the mocks of Amarius Mims going to the Steelers as well. So would they go you know, back kind, to back they, or two out of three? Would they do any of that? Like, would they become the new Eagles? Right? They, I say they want to take the. They don't want to be the take the Pennsylvania Dogs to their side. <laughs> right. Uh, but I I could see those kind of more old school coaches, the ones that've been around for quite a while. I think those are the ones that will really be wild when Bullard comes into a room. I think he's fantastic. He's one of the better players of of the Georgia era under Kirby Smart to me. And, you know, Lad McConkey, I think, is one of the best players of all time at Georgia. I just think the skill set that he has. I don't know that stats yep. bear that out because of games that he missed. Yep. But in just terms of what I saw him do, even that last play he had against Florida State, kind of making yep. something up on the fly. Like, that's special that, stuff. That plays. That plays in the league. I, the Ravens are a team for me. Uh, with Bullard, maybe in that back half of the second round, that's in the fifties or something like that, late fifties. It feels he feels like somebody w- that works well and what they do pair with Kyle Hamilton. Um, but yeah, Bajan had a good week. I mean, it was just I think it, all around it was a great week for Georgia. It was a great week for Danny Cannell to whine about Georgia. Um, <laughs> so. I can't, he just the gift that keeps on giving with that. Uh, that was hilarious. But anyway, neither here nor there. But it was a good week for Georgia just to sort of show out. And like you look at Lad, Lad specifically, Lad played in the bowl game. You know, uh, some of those other guys that played both in the bowl game and then in the senior bowl showing out. And, and you're not going to see the, the double digit numbers like we've seen in the past few years, but you're still going to see like those five guys like Brock. Amarius, Lad, Bullard, and then Lassiter. Like you're gonna, they're gonna be in the top fifty, probably. So you have three consecutive years where you have at least that many. I think 
Yeah, something like the, that. I, I need to look at numbers exactly. The Senior Bowl itself, I don't find anything that thrilling about it. But just the practice and the lead up and the clips that come out beforehand, I think that's what the NFL people really like. And, and just to get to see people in person. Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting, too, with the, with the Senior Bowl is and what helps it and what helps it prop it up even more so, too, is that you have just got people who cover the draft, all the sort of draft nicks that maybe can't necessarily go and watch the combine and go watch the senior bowl. And it, it, that's a, you know, there's all kinds of people there and they get to interview people things like that. So it's a good, it was a good week for, for Georgia. Like if you look at the mocks, like you talked about, and even some of the top fifties, I think, you know, Daniel Jeremiah had his uh, top 50 big board that he released recently. You had Brock at eight Mims at 18 Lasseter at 42 and lad uh, at 44. Yeah, with these mocks, you're beginning to see some consistency, I think, with the top four, which Williams, May, Daniels, Harrison. And after that, you start to see a little bit of of mismatch. But for whatever reason, that seems to be what people were leaning on at the moment. I think that's like that first and foremost, when you look at how all this stuff translates to the draft, because now once the Super Bowl is played, it's literally all going to be the draft is the entirety of the conversation until free agency hits. But for the most part, it's the draft. Is it going to be three QBs to start? Like, it's definitely going to be two. But like, do teams get real? The interesting thing with the you know, you mentioned the economics of the sport earlier is look at San Francisco. They traded up for a guy that legit never played for them, and gave up you know however much they gave up for Trey Lance, and it it didn't really phase them in a way. They had to makes make up for it in other ways, but they lost all that draft capital. And with the way now Carolina's the extreme where they traded up for Bryce and then now give up the number one pick. But they were so bad. But you know, it's one of those where would a team like the Raiders mortgage the house to now get up into the you know or the Broncos with, with Peyton in year two? Would they try to get up into that top two? And then also would those teams be willing to move down Atlanta's another team at eight that you know do they want to move up to but I do think in the end, those first three picks will be quarterbacks. I, I just, whatever the teams, I, that I'm, I'm curious about, but I do think they'll be a quarterback. There's some jockeying that could be done. And then there's just some NFL players that have played a lot of football that will fall into some of those other spots. Russell Wilson, a Jameis Winston, as I mentioned before. Yeah. You know, does someone take a shot on Desmond Ritter or somewhere else? Justin Fields all of a sudden yes. would likely be traded out. And it seems like those discussions have been happening. Could I, based on what I heard from Raheem Morris to, today, it would be hard for me to think that Atlanta might not consider getting into Justin Fields' business. I think they will. And I think because for the price and the chance that it is, it, it might be their best option. Like to me, if, Kirk Cousins will come and sign a two-year deal. I'd, I'd take that any day of the week. But I, I wouldn't – and this is probably the next conversation that Senior Bowl related with the draft is I don't know that I would take Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix at eight. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I'm taking either of those I'll be more definitive. I would not do that. Nah, yes, I wouldn't do that. But I wouldn't take any of those guys in the first round. Yes. I just under, right. it's it's their quarterback needs out there. Mm-hmm. And so guys rise up from that. That's the, when I say the economy of it, that's what I'm saying. That there there is more of a need than there is a supply on solid quarterbacks this high right. in the draft. 
And projects, we, we talked last year. I thought Anthony Richardson in college didn't see a whole lot that I liked. You saw some things translate to the NFL, but when I was talking to Coach Donnan, he said, you can't teach all the stuff that he can do. So it's right. the stuff that he can't do that you can try to refine and make better. Will right. Levis looked like he was kind of a, a kind of the same way, but I mean, I'd rather have a Will Levis than most of these guys that you're talking about when you get into Penix and and McCarthy. And I think with the the elite talent in this draft at offensive position, you know, both offensive line and skill positions, primarily receiver, uh, you're gonna. I think those those quarterbacks get pushed down into the either early, either the very later part of round one where it's somebody who's, you know, trading back in the late in round one to get Knicks or Penix or, or McCarthy. Cause I think it's those three that are the next sort of tier or for the most part, early round two, those teams that, cause like you look at somebody like the giants at six, like they probably need to take a quarterback, but they're not going to invest there. But I, I will say it, it, I mentioned it earlier, and this is, and maybe this is something we have as a weekly segment because I had two of them today, but this this one was earlier. Pet peeve of the week. Uh, pet peeve of the week was so so Matt Miller that does this uh, scouts in the draft for ESPN. He had in his mock draft at the Falcon spot. I think he had Terry and Arnold or something like that. You know, first defensive player. Fine, whatever. But he said it's a little too early. For JJ, for the likes of JJ McCarthy, <laughs> and then four picks later, at twelve, he had Bo Nix going to the Broncos, and then at thirteen, JJ McCarthy going to the Raiders. So the word was "little" eight, was doing a lot of work there. How is eight different than twelve? I'm I'm sorry. That's just that pet peeve of the week. That's just ridiculous to me that that that's a thing that you that you consciously. Type out. Sorry. You might as well especially with said, the position. You might as well have said, would Jim Harbaugh take a shot and go ahead and get a backup quarterback just to protect his guy JJ McCarthy? <laughs> I mean, because you know, if you draft even like even for the for example for the Falcons, if they drafted Bo Nix at eight and he was Andy Dalton, that's a successful pick. Like that's a really good draft pick, and the value of it because of the value of that position makes that a good pick. Would you do it? No. And that's that sort of leads me to the last thing, my last sort of with the with the draft and, and whatnot. The Falcons and, and Terry Fontenot specifically has always talked about, or since he's been there, best player available. We're going to take, he's a best player, you know, all that, all these guys needs versus that positional stuff. He's always been a best player available guy. And I think the best player when the Falcons pick at eight, that's going to be on the board about. is Mr. Bowers. You can make the argument that the best two players in this draft are Bowers and Marvin Harrison Jr. in terms of college production and what we saw on the field. Yes. I think I actually I think the the tackles could kind of be there too. But yes, I agree. Which I I think it was in that same mock on ESPN that you're talking about that I I read that I talked to certain GMs that said neighbors uh, from LSU was higher than Harrison on their board. And, and I thought, why? No. <laughs> I mean, neighbors is going to be a good NFL player, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of those that if the rules were different, he would have been in the NFL already. Yes. You know, I, you know, I remember we talked about that when we did the, the Sunday show about my rule that I think people should go pro after two years. 
I got I got a little bit of pushback off of that. Well, then I got to looking back because I was looking at Marius Mims and the amount of snaps that he's played because I think it's going to be the fewest of any first-round tackle in the last decade if he is drafted in the first round, which he will and, and should be. Panay Sewell, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase only played two years in college. Yeah. Because they opted out of the COVID year. Yeah. So, like, because because Sewell come up on that sort of fewest snaps close to Mims. Like, you think he maybe played like 400 more snaps than Mims. But anyway, but yes, I, I and if you think about the Falcons, and, and obviously a lot of Georgia fans also follow the Falcons locally, if you go into next season and if I just had my way from a what I conversation, you third round pick or whatever for Fields. And now at QB, you got Justin Fields. You know, you got your two backs, Algiers and Bijan, your two tight ends, Pitts, and mainly receiver and Brock. And then Derek London. And then at 43, you draft Lad McConkey. Like, and that's your 12 personnel. Drake Ooh. London, Lad McConkey, Pitts, Bowers, and Bijan. Like, I think you can roll with that. Because right, let, let me play a little quarterback game with you. Though. One by the way, one one the Pitts thing. I looked it up because I was curious. Last year, 78% of his snaps, he was in the slot as a receiver or out wide. In his career, 70% of the snaps, slot or out wide. Mm. He's a receiver, basically. He is, he is a wide. He's a big wide receiver. He's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yes. That probably means they need a blocking inline tight end a little bit more. But you can find that late in the draft. And I think – I actually think Bowers can do that too. Like it, he, he Absolutely. Kind of changed. But anyway, all right, QB game. Let's go. All right. I'm making you a GM. You can pick the Falcons if you want to, although there are different factors in that. And I'm just going to give you uh, the free agent. I, I want to know where the free agents fall on the pecking order of quarterbacks that you would build around for the next three, five years, whatever the length of an NFL GM term is. So Caleb Williams or Justin Fields? Caleb Williams because of the contract. Okay. Justin Fields or May? Drake May. Drake May because of the contract. Field as well as day. well as well as I think you've seen enough of Justin Fields where it's just been glimpses, but the consistencies aren't there. And you you could say situation, you could say this, you could say, I mean all sorts of factors. I'd rather take the chance on the younger guy and the and the potential high end of that variation versus what I think I know I'm getting from Justin Fields. Right. And you see what I'm trying to figure out where that inflection point is, where that yep. potential top end talent is not worth the risk there. Justin Fields or uh, Jaden Daniels. I'd take Daniels. The, the, the interesting part there is I think they're, it's right at a year or less than a year apart in age. Oh, you're getting into one of my Lamar Jackson, Stetson Bennett conversations yes. here. <laughs> but I, th I think it's a year just slightly over in terms of difference in age of, of Fields and and, uh, and Daniels. Which is one reason. Don't give up on Fields just yet. He's still young, as long as his body's yeah. healthy. Yeah. Justin Fields or Bo Nix? For the next two or three years, I'm taking Fields. I, I think if Nix is a QB in the league at some point and a starting QB, it's, it's two or three years down the road. It's not Sooner. It's later rather than sooner. And I'm assuming you'd have the same answer for McCarthy, Penix. Yes. Okay. 
like to me, if if I'm the Falcons and I trade my third round pick or one of my twos, if if it ends up being a two, whatever extra pick that they get from the Ridley deal, I take Spence. I take Spencer Rattler in the third or fourth round. So you and I have texted about this. I think we both think that Spencer Rattler could be third, fourth best quarterback in this draft. I think he has the potential to be a starting level quarterback in the league. Yes. Yeah. He, you know, it takes the right situation and all those things, but I like his potential. And he mm-hmm. was a gamer at South Carolina this year specifically. Yes. And not a whole lot of talent around him. No. And I, I think that's why. And, and you listen to the, like, the biggest thing for me is listening to the kid talk and just hearing some of the interviews, like the, um, the humble pie in essence that he, uh, that he had to eat. Like, he, he seems like a completely different kid who just wants to grind and, and, you know, be good at his craft. Are there any other quarterbacks available for trade beyond Justin Fields that you would value higher than Justin Fields? Based on what we know, I mean, no. there are weird things that happen. Like, Cousins is a free agent, but after sure. that, like, after those two, really, like, Baker's a free, you know, then it's Baker. It, I don't Jameis. think he's leaving Tampa. It's Jameis. It's, it's, yeah. I, it's are you trading for Russell Wilson? No, like I, I wouldn't want any part of that. That would be like, almost they, the worst. I, like you'd almost rather bring back Ritter than no. I don't. I, I, I think Russell Wilson. I will think big picture point Falcons in general is their QB room to me has to completely flip. Like I would, like Desmond Ritter needs to not be on the team next year. I just I think you get rid of all that negative stuff from the past and and move forward with with a different group draft. Sign a veteran, draft one or draft two. I'd even draft two if you draft, okay. if you get one at eight. Last question on this because you watch a bit more NFL and know some of these coordinators' tendencies slightly more than I do. Would a Fields and a Zach Robinson offense work out? I think Fields, I think any quarterback in that offense, in that scheme, okay. in that, I, I just think it's, it's what the NFL is about now. That, there's a reason that tree has been the Shanahan tree has been successful for the most part everywhere because of the principles that it's built on and how the NFL game has evolved over the past three to five years. Yeah, very much so. I just know fans would say, well, you see what Stafford's done there. Fields is nowhere near Stafford in terms of so many things. And that's true. Fields really has struggled in reading mm-hmm. coverages in the NFL, yep. but he's still a darn good runner and he has a strong arm. Yep, there's still a lot of positives, and and the you've seen the elite, you've seen the high end. Like thing with Ritter, like you never saw any high end. It was always just it was here, and then the bad stuff here, bad stuff, bad stuff, but never any like truly elite stuff. Where you're like, ooh, if we could get more of that, do that consistently. I, and I just keep beating the drum because I think Atlanta with the Raheem Morris hire and him talking about it being home and the homecoming and you know he's not from atlanta but he's been in atlanta a lot and he mentioned all of that it would be a homecoming for justin fields Mm -hmm. and i would assume that would be the team in the nfl he'd want to play for the most technically it would be for Jameis too but you know that's neither here nor there i think that leads us into the last topic of conversation of the night which is them that dogs. big game. That big. That big game. Are you going Super Bowl on me? I, I was skipping on the spring ball here. Well, okay. Well, so all right. First, I I agree. We got one more thing with that before we hit to the Super Bowl. You're spring right. ball. Yes. Biggest Questions? question. All What's right. your big? Because I I know my, the answer to this. Biggest question for Georgia in 2024. Okay. 
I thought about this a lot because you texted me earlier. Yes. So, and by a lot, I mean briefly while I was giving children a bath. So uh, here's the answer that I've come up with because I we do this a lot on Film Don't Lie. We try to assess what are the factors that create a national championship team. So what did Michigan have this year? What did Georgia have the previous two years? Alabama, LSU, on and on and on. Typically, you need really good quarterback play. And I think Georgia is going to have that. Yes. And typically, you need to be able to stop the other team's running attack with as few people as possible, which means your defensive line needs to be really good, cover a lot of space, and be athletic. And I think that's why Georgia, in part, won two national championships, because you look Mm at their defensive front for those two years, unparalleled in the sport. Took a step back this last year a little bit. You saw that when Cody Schrader was able to run at Georgia pretty consistently. You saw that when Alabama, with a backup running back, was able to get some easy yards out of it. It wasn't anything gashing Georgia. Georgia was still good at that spot. So to me, the biggest question is, has Georgia done enough to bolster and fortify the defensive line, considering what that schedule is and the main topic that we'll talk about with Jim Donnan tomorrow when you have a playoff and you need more depth than you've ever needed before, George is primed to do better than most teams in terms of that. But I'm going to be asking Coach Donnan about, hey, in the 90s at Marshall, you were used to this playoff situation. What are the things that you encountered then that Georgia hasn't had to encounter yet because of the structure of the sport? And I think defensive line depth and health is going to be one of the things that he says. I'll be curious. So, that's the biggest yep. question to me. How does Georgia improve on the defensive line, considering from the super high standard it was for two years, yeah. took a step back last year? I agree, and I, was, I think that, like, to me, that, that was probably number two on my list because and the biggest thing I think I've talked about maybe on, on various platforms is can you find a way to consistently have two edge players on early downs? Like, can you have two of Jalen Walker, Damon Wilson, Michael Williams – Pimba, like, can you have two of those guys on the field at the same time on early downs and maybe give up a little bit more in the run game to have, you know, crazy good athletes and pass rushers on the field more consistently? But if your guys are, I mean, that Georgia won't have a Jalen Carter, I'm not saying they will. No, they're not going to have a Jordan Davis, I'm not saying they will. But if a Jordan Hall emerges or a Ja right. Jarrett emerges, and we saw those dudes getting coached hard in spring last year, not for last season, but for this season, and to be ready, they're leaders now. Yeah, And if they show out on that defensive line, you're able to take more risk and say a Josh Jarrett may can't occupy a gap and a half, two guys, things like that to make it where someone else can rush in. And especially with that. And Brinson coming back. uh, With with safeties that come down like Malachi Starks can. Yeah. It's I, I think that interior defensive line, but yes, how it also affects edge rush. So number one for me, was basically the players that we talked about earlier in the show, Brock and Ladd. Like, you've had two elite of elite, and Brock is likely the best college football Titan ever. Like, you've had him and Ladd for the past three years. Now you don't. Who becomes that elite playmaker on offense where it's just, I know I can go to this guy in the toughest of moments. He's going to win a one-on-one. Like, is it Dylan Bell? Does he take a leap? Does Dominic Lovett get more of the lad kind of role from a route perspective? Does, you know, new guy, Colby Young, come in and maybe 
on the outside, the six five guy that they don't have, does that become a big time player for them? Anthony who, Evans. Yes, Evans in, in the slot. Like who rah rah, you know, healthy maybe, like all that. Who becomes and not, you know, and yes, it'd be great to have all those guys be really good and you sort of you know, rising tide lifts all boats thing. But to me, you need elite playmakers at, at that at those positions. And I'm going to I'm going to drill down further into that because this is two consecutive years that Georgia has lost at tight end a unicorn that you do not replace with a variety of reasons. And Darnell Washington, I wouldn't say was anything crazy special in the NFL the first year. I don't know the Steelers figured out how to use him. No, and he had five like ten targets. I mean, barely threw to him, just using the blocker basically. Right, he was an extra tackle, which okay. He can do more than that. He did more than that at Georgia. Steelers, maybe they'll figure that out. Losing Brock Bowers, you're not going to replace that production. Just not going to happen. Could be the best tight end in the history of of college football. So when you look at tight end and you know that you've lost that, what emerges from there? You know Oscar Delp. I think we have a good idea of what he brings to Georgia. Lawson Lucky, I think we have a pretty good idea of what he brings, though I don't know he didn't have the volume of snaps. Right. Fully see, especially in the past game. I think we saw some of his blocking ability. Right. My question, the guys behind them, because a lot of times what you see at Georgia is there's some older dudes that, that have played a lot of ball, but these little freshmen that can come in can right. make a difference instantly. Bowers did that, if you remember. Right. He he passed two people on the depth chart that first what fall that he was here yep. and and surged in there. McConkey didn't he had to work a little bit harder and longer. Mm-hmm. To, to make and get happen. his body right. I think he he needed the year of redshirting and, and to get physically there, but the speed was there. Yeah, and sometimes it's just harder to do at receiver as as a true freshman. But so is that Sperlin, Is that yeah. Riddell? Like, is it one of the younger new guys? I mean, body wise, we saw Riddell in a photo, and we're like, oh, <laughs> okay, stands yes. out from those other cats over there. Yes, he does. Because angle helped angle helped him a little bit, but yes, he definitely does. You you need to have the playmaking that George has had at tight end, and I'm a bit concerned that it won't have that because you can win with John Fitzpatrick's and Isaac Nottas, and Nottas was a good playmaker. But mm-hmm. who are the ones that defenses are scared of? And right. I don't think they're going to be scared of him like they were Bowers, and they shouldn't be. But who's coming along? We don't know a whole lot about yet. That's kind of the exciting part of college football, yes. really, right? I agree. Is, is there's all, so much about George's roster right now that we don't know, and sometimes and you, you haven't see that seen happen. like you've seen a glimpse of Evans, you've seen a glimpse of Spurling catch the ball, you've seen like you've seen we did film don't lie on Humphreys and Colby Young and whatnot, yeah. but you haven't seen them in your uniform against your competition. And sometimes you get to see that develop in within a season because we said it, and and I was critical of Carson Beck. Carson Beck from game one to game five was a different person. To game ten was a completely different player. And by right. that point, maybe that's the question I should have asked you: If Carson Beck would have gone pro, would he be fourth quarterback taken? Because that's where I'd have him. I would, hundred percent. And maybe no flirting, maybe flirting with with Jaden Daniels, just depending on what people want in combines and things. I mean, I, I think he would have been at least a middle of the round pick. Yes. Like somebody with like the Broncos at 12, 100% would have taken him. Raiders at 13, taken him. Yes, I agree. So what does that tell you about Georgia and the status of college football that a virtually no doubt or first round quarterback decided to return? Yes, that helps. 
that's a good thing. All the all the all these ancillary things that we're talking about get helped by the fact that you have a great player at that position. Yeah. Speaking of great players at that position, are there two or there one uh, this weekend? Hmm. That's you're you're getting me into like sports talk radio. <laughs> is Brock Purdy good? Yes, I think he is. Is he as talented as others? No, but I think he's good. I think, I think the Super Bowl is going to be a lot very similar to the last one between these two teams. Honestly, I think the thing with this game, when people talk about quarterbacks, and that's kind of the sports radio kill some time topic, really the focus should be on look at what these two head coaches do with pretty much every roster they have. Yep. Figure it out when. And do it in different ways. And I get yeah. it when you have a Mahomes now. Yes. But look at the cast around Mahomes. Like this, this is one heck of a coaching job because it's been Mahomes and it's been Kelsey and it's been a bunch of dudes. In the playoffs, it's been Kelsey. Like in the regular season, it was like yeah. when fumes Kelsey. Yeah. Now it's like re-energized a little bit for the playoffs, like saving it. He's been, he's going about 80% all year. Kind of, I mean, there's going to be some dude that catches a clutch pass. And you're like, I forgot he was on them. Kind of like By Chris the way, Conley the other week for the night. If the chiefs draft lad, that would be, that would be a very, that'd be a very fun experience for him. Yeah. Uh, I think he would be, he would be good for them. But I, I, like I said, I think this game comes down to much like Ken, Purdy make one play like Garoppolo couldn't make the one play on the long throw in the, the last Super Bowl they played each other. I think it's going to be tight, close. And maybe maybe it's with his legs, by the way, because he's made a lot of plays uh, with his legs. I did see a prop bet. His passing and rushing yards, 262.5. I think I might take the over there because of the rushing part. Chiefs defense has been really good, though. I think the most interesting thing about either of these teams to me is that in a sport where the running back position is continually devalued Christian McCaffrey this season, I mean, really his whole career. Well, since he's been in San Francisco. Yeah. He hasn't missed a game. His whole career, but like even with the Panthers, he was really good. He was injured at the end, but just the productivity that he has. And I know some of it comes as a receiver out of the backfield and he's more one of those hybrid guys, but he's so reliable, so consistent. So hard to stop. And when you find those guys at running back, you really do have to build around them. And maybe that's why the Falcons did what they did with Bijan. They think that in some ways he has some of the characteristics that lead a team in that way. But it, it's really counterculture to what the sport is right now. Because yeah. right, most teams are, let's throw a dude at running back that's solid. They can gain four or five yards. If they get in open space, they can get 12. Otherwise, we're chucking it around. And we're, we have 14 people in motion on every play. I don't know how that happens, but it does. People in motion twice, I guess. So let's we'll, we'll end with penalty this otherwise. I'm looking at the odds for Super Bowl MVP. If it's not a quarterback, the next highest odds are McCaffrey at plus 475. And you have Kelsey at plus 1200, Debo at plus 2000. And for me, the one that I would pick if I were putting a wager on is Taylor Swift I, on the list. Uh, no, um, oh, you had to look. You had to look. You had to look. Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco at plus twenty eight hundred, because I, I could see this being a game where it's twenty three to twenty or it's twenty to seventeen, and 
the Chiefs two touchdowns are rushing touchdowns, and he has like you know ninety nine yards and two touchdowns, and Mahomes is great, but you know he was sort of the touchdown maker guy versus you know Mahomes having two throwing touchdowns, that kind of thing. Yes, you know, that's right, Harry. Harry Legner, sport, join us. Sports sports betting could be legalized in Georgia this year based on the vote in November. Um, I'm kind of glad it's not yet because that, that's one. I'd be afraid to touch. I've seen too many defensive MVPs and Super Bowls to yeah. make me think that in college, it's almost a sure thing. It's almost like if you vote for a non-quarterback at Heisman, you just don't look at the trends. Bosa is the highest defensive player with the or highest best odds, plus 7,500. But sometimes it's some random defensive back that you know you barely heard yeah. of. That's happened before in, in the Super Bowl. Chris Jones could completely annihilate the game. Like for Kansas City's defensive line, so we'll see. But who do you think wins? I'm gonna go with San Francisco. I'll go KC because I'm not betting against Mahomes, and that's probably the smart thing to do. But the way that KC looked the last month of the regular season, I have to think that there's still some of that in there, and I think. Throughout the, the year, San Francisco's been a more consistent team. Yeah. But I would have said this, I said the same about Baltimore last week, and you saw how that went. I think it'd be KC. I think it'd be because of the defense. I think they win like 20 to 17. Mm. What a career for Andy Reid. Friend of Coach Donovan. I mean, that, that would give Mahomes three, by the way, in six years. That's insane. Well, and his former offensive coordinator got, well, you could say fired if you want to. He's not being retained by Dan Quinn in Washington. Yeah. Not part of the brothership. And so I think Biennami is a really good coach. But I think what we're learning is if you have Mahomes, you're going to be a much better coach than whatever you were anyway. I agree. You, you, and I can, you and I would become decent quarterback coaches if Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback that we're coaching. And I think his ability is what's thrown – all of the talk and the draft and all everything around talk of QBs and how teams quickly are in and out on QBs. It's because of him. Yeah. He's, he's the, he's the top of the top. Well, and if you remember when they drafted him, Alex Smith was playing very well for Kansas city. Yeah. And, and played that whole it year. was a, it was a bit of an awkward discussion at that time. And so the fact that the chiefs were as aggressive saying, no, the future is in this guy. We see this and it worked out this well, that yeah. that's exactly what you're saying. Because if, if Brandon said, who cares? Talk about Georgia. Well, yeah, we talked a we lot did. about Georgia. We did. We did. Miko Hardman's in this game. Yeah. Uh, Chris Conley. Yeah. I'd forgotten still, still getting, the Niners. Still getting injects. Hey, I'm telling you, I think that's what Rosemary Jackson is going to be, by the way. Just you're going to look up in, in seven, eight years down the road, and he's still going to be catching third down passes and on a playoff type team and doing all kinds of little things, playing special teams. Muhammad Sanu 2.0. When we talk about NFL combine stuff coming up, Chris Conley's combine is one that I always all timers because that dude made some money that day. I think he got himself what into the third round, in the late third round, I think that year. Just I like Conley. I'm really happy for him. He's had the career that he has. And and Robert Beal potentially is a three-peat, his own personal three-peat. Yeah. So we'll I see. don't know he'll be contributing too, too much, but he's no. there. He's there. He and will get a ring. There are a ton of players that are 
that, that are good players that don't end up in those positions. So that's not a shot at him at all. Five Georgia players in the Super Bowl? I think that's right, yeah. Nicole, yeah. Conley, Beal. Am I missing? Somebody oh, knows. Yeah. Should we should we end this before we're revealed as frauds? I went through this the other day on UGA Sports Live, too. Yeah. Patrick had it the other day. I saw it. No mm-hmm. well. Five, five was the number I thought it was. But that's it fine. was five, I think. Hey, so we're going to be doing this just kind of like, I mean, I'm literally on the back porch. Um, chill back porch football chat throughout pretty much the rest of the yeah, off-season. Off-season, yeah, about once um, a week. And when Film Don't Lie needs to come back and we need to talk about some video stuff, we'll just do that instead. But yes. not every week requires that at this point. So if you followed any of our NFL draft content in previous years on this channel or ugasports.com. This is kind of becoming what that is um, because Brent goes on Bill Shank's show and gives all the good takes. So I get what's left over. Uh, no, I'm joking. I like Bill. Fun guy. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. All right. We're getting out of here. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate thanks it. Appreciate everyone. these guys. Yes. Thanks for joining us.